0: You're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Hey, that's me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sobriety with me, your pal, your friend, your lady, Ari Eastman. And you know what's crazy? The next time I do an episode, you know, all things willing, I guess you can't say anything definitively, but. This coming week is my three years sober from alcohol. I as a Friday, which is September 23rd. Do you remember the September 23rd when you stopped drinking? Uh yeah, so I'm gonna be three years sober, and it's it's one of those things that I don't wanna say it's losing its excitement because That's not true. It's still very exciting. I'm still very proud of myself. But I think sometimes when I hit certain milestones or certain places in my life, when I've accomplished something, I get this little evil voice that says, Sabotage sabotage it. And the good news is that in sobriety, I can hear that voice and I can recognize that voice as my little destructive, you know, after midnight gremlin. And let it pass. If I was still drinking and I had that voice pop up, I'd lean into it. I'd, you know, Cheryl Sandberg, lean in. I'd say, okay, yeah, let's let's burn our lives down, arson. Let's do it. So I'm grateful that again, sobriety gives me like the, a, a clarity, a sense of knowing that feelings are not fact, and just because I get this sudden impulse to ruin my life doesn't mean I should do it and in the vein of this sort of self-sabotage thing that my brain is doing um, I have been romanticizing some of my drunk memories and I'm gonna be honest with you this is a newer development this is a newer thing for me so much of the end of my drinking, I was so miserable. I wasn't having a good time. There weren't fun nights out. I mean, I've said this again and again, I was oftentimes a solo drinker at home. So it's not even like I was out there making memories. I was spilling wine on my laptop. Count it three different times. Do you know how embarrassing it is to take your laptop into the same guy and he's like, hmm, smells like red wine. And you're like, yeah, it was my little sister. Yeah, that was my 12-year-old sister. I don't have a problem. So I wasn't doing too many exciting things towards the end of my drinking. Oftentimes when I would get drunk, it's because I was in a situation where I was feeling deeply uncomfortable. So I drank to get rid of that feeling. Maybe I was out with people and I wasn't feeling socially comfortable and I wanted to ease that anxiety. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to just have fun. And so I would drink through the discomfort and drink too much and then my brain shuts off. And then you end up also doing uncomfortable things and being annoying. And uh, it's a whole other set of social issues that you have to deal with. And I had a lot of negative consequences from drinking with relationships and friendships saying things I didn't remember I also had a really bad habit of holding things in and letting things fester I'm a recovering people pleaser and I would let things just eat away at me and instead of like a grown-up talking to someone about maybe what was upsetting me or what I was feeling left out about or frustrated about I would push it down I would ignore it and then eventually one day I'd get drunk and just like send them a really mean Facebook message because that's productive. So safe to say a lot of my drinking, it wasn't anything that I could romanticize because they were bad times. I was not having fun. But lately my brain has been pulling out the few fun, uh, you know, nights where nothing really bad happened and I had a good time and just deciding to just play them. Like I'm just driving somewhere and my brain's like, remember in New York? that guy that you had a really nice romantic date with after you met him at the bar and you were comfortable talking to him because you were kind of drunk. However, with that story, I have to then remind my brain that I met this guy because I'd had a catastrophic, terrible, horrible, drunken night with a different guy who ditched me and I was so mortified. It was just such a bad night and I was drunk and I had forgotten that I'd taken like, airplane, like, pills to be on the airplane so I didn't have a panic attack, forgot that I'd taken those. So I blacked out really fast. And then I went to sleep in a, a, a fully clothed in a bathtub. So it's like, that was what preceded this good drunk memory. That I had a bad drunk memory that New York trip. But I will say, I had this, people always ask, like, oh, what's, like, a, you know, romantic date you've had? And I just keep thinking about this one where I was in a bar with some friends in New York visiting, and started talking to this guy. Again, you know, I'm sure that I was chattier because the alcohol was shutting off my brain and making me less self-conscious. So I meet this guy at a bar. We're having a nice time. We're chatting. And um, I think at that point in time, I was really not, I, I had never gone to a bar and just Met a guy there, I hadn't that hadn't happened for me, um, and we ended up going back to his apartment in Brooklyn. But it was nice because we just kind of kept talking, and before anything else happened, we had sobered up enough. And I remember we walked he we walked on top of his building. He took me on top, and we watched like the sunrise. And then he was telling me about like being in New York during 9-11. So. But for some reason, it was very, like, tender and intimate. I don't know why, like, a guy telling me about 9-11 is a part of my most romantic date. But it was just, like, very nice. Very romantic. We both had the sense of, like, we're not going to see each other again. Like, I live in California. You live in New York. We're talking about 9-11 on your roof. It's beautiful. And then I do remember at one point he had water, like, on uh, his headboard or something. And I reached back. And then I poured accidentally like grabbed you know sorry mom I was like grabbing the headboard or something because you know I'm wild and I grabbed the water and didn't realize it was water and <laughs> dumped the whole thing on us so I just in the middle of us you know having sex I literally dumped cold water on us um, I don't really know why this was my m- most romantic date memory and so my brain's been saying isn't that nice Isn't that nice that you went to a bar and you were comfortable and you were chatting with this guy and you weren't all in your head? Because that's all I am lately is in my head. I'm so shut off from the idea of any sort of intimacy that I think my brain is going back and collecting its evidence and going back and saying, okay, so when was a time that we had a good experience? Oh, 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 oh. And it's pulling out this one memory and it's just like, hey, go to a bar, meet that guy like in New York. But that's one time. That's one time that I was drinking and it had a good outcome. Not all the other thousands of times when it was bad. And it was detrimental to my mental health and my self-esteem. And it was just shitty. Instead, my brain is pinpointing that one time that it worked. And I think that that's something our brains do sometimes. When we are in a place of loneliness or change or uncertainty. And we're we're going back and we're looking when we're trying to find what's something that felt good. And I think in recovery, it can be tricky. Because... Yeah, there are parts of drinking that could make you feel good. There are parts of numbing the loneliness and the pain that can temporarily relieve you of it. And it's so hard to, you know, play the tape forward, as they say, and just remember that, like, okay, this, this moment of relief is going to be worse down the line. It's not like I want to drink. I don't think that's what this, like, sabotage feeling that I'm having I think I miss something. I don't know what it is. If it's connection, if it's friendship, if it's going out, if it's meeting people, maybe it's intimacy. It was easy to say, well, I'm in my period of healing because I've been healing because that's a lot of what recovery and sobriety has been healing. Forgiving myself, keeping myself accountable, trying to figure out like how I got here, you know? But now healing has become an excuse. Now healing is the thing I can say to keep people away feeling desired and desiring someone those are things that got shoved to the side for sobriety because a lot of those that feeling was entangled with drinking of of feeling sexy and you know desire and all of these things it was like tied to drinking even though it wasn't real none of it was real and so as I let those things go as I let drinking go I let that feeling go too. I feel like I'm like you know how Stella got her groove back it's like how did she get her groove back I don't remember was that a book was that a movie it's like how does Ari get her groove back I don't know but I think I need to start feeling that you know feeling desirable even in just like a zest for life kind of thing I think that I've been on the sidelines for a little bit and I'm ready to really like something has to happen and it can't be drinking so what's the next alternative I don't know I don't really know yet but it's something, something to go out there and feel connections to people and to feel like there's something bigger than me and doing something. And, you know, hey, maybe that's a recovery group, a 12 step group. I don't know. Maybe that's just being better at asking my friends to do stuff with me, asking my friends to get dinner, to hang out, to go do stuff, getting back out there with dating, even though I don't feel like I want to do it. Maybe I have to push myself because guess what? There was a while where I didn't feel like I wanted to be sober, but I needed to be. And eventually Thank God I did want to be sober. So I don't know. I'm just like, (sighs) I've heard from people that they're on to their their third year that like first year of sobriety, the very, very beginning is tough. And once you get past that beginning, it gets so much easier. You're in this pink cloud. You feel good. I felt so good my first year of sobriety. I was doing all these different hobbies and like reinventing myself. And I just, you know, I felt confident again. So many things. And then from year one to year two, still pretty good. You're getting in the swing of things. You've, you've had milestones. You've had holidays. You've had things happen that you were able to stay sober for. And then from year two to year three, things get a little harder. And that's where I've been. And again, the hardness, it's not in craving alcohol. It's not in feeling triggered for that. It's in, it's in feeling a lack of something substance. (laughs) Just not, you know, substances. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to find that, how I'm going to find that. But it's also been a little bit hard to do the podcast, to be honest, because I don't feel like I have a lot to say. (laughs) I think I've stopped. I don't know. I've stopped participating in life in some ways. That was one of the gifts that sobriety gave me was that I was participating in life again. So why do I feel lately like I'm not? I mean, my anxiety and my depression have definitely, you know, made a resurgence, made a cute little comeback. They heard that everything was getting a reboot. So my anxiety and depression said, us too, please. We're back. Reunion. Those are just the things that I'm kind of contending with lately. And I guess if you are going through any sort of milestone, you're approaching something even the idea I think of 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 achievements right like I I get this feeling of like I, I want everyone to be proud of me I want everyone to be like wow good job that's amazing that's amazing and sometimes it's like what is that validation that I'm searching for and why do I need to be you know patted on the back for this thing and what happens when that feeling fades it's like am I Tinkerbell right am I gonna die if people aren't clapping for me I don't know overall I'm really proud that through everything i have remained sober and that i've given myself that gift of being able to even question why i'm thinking things and what's happening and how am i going to find solutions and you know those were not things i was able to have while i was drinking in my active addiction because that takes precedence active addiction always takes precedence over everything else so in sobriety i actually get i get to sit here and say I wonder why I feel this way and I wonder what I can do about it and I wonder how I can work through this because it'll pass I'll work through it drinking is never gonna make it better it's never gonna solve it even if I was in New York at that bar meeting a cute guy who's gonna talk to me about 9-11 drinking would have never made that better I could have met that guy sober and still had that night And I think that's what I have to remember So anyway, if you're coming up on, you know, a milestone, a soberversary, and you're feeling suddenly like, oh, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling weird about it, like you want to like throw in the towel. I think that's a super normal feeling and you shouldn't feel you shouldn't feel like something's wrong with you. I think there's anxiety that, that builds up in us over some of these days because they do feel big and they are big, but also they're just another day. And if it's causing you to spiral, then then look at it as just another day. Every day you're waking up and you are sober, like, wow. Fucking congratulations. Maybe that's all we need to do, you know? Anyway, if you're still listening, love you. Hang in there. And I'll see you next week when I'm going to be three years sober.